Well, hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me. This is Ros Jones, your business coach, with my weekly podcast show, Bold Business Bites, coming to you from Yorkshire. This is where I have a great conversation with a phenomenal female business boss, and we share some of the bold stuff they do, lessons they've learned, adversities they've overcome, and the fun they have. And then I'll be dipping into my toolkit and sharing with you a top tip. Business can be lonely, so make sure you join us each week and be part of our show. So welcome to episode one of the Ros Jones Bold Business Bites podcast show. This week, I'm really excited to be joined by Kristen Newman of Village Farm Marquis. When we have so much stuff thrown at us that there's a risk that something will snap, you just need to escape from your current reality and create a new one. And that's what Krista did when she set up her business. But she certainly found that you need more than a magic wand to grow a successful business. So what was it that drove a girl from Essex to leave a highly successful and lucrative job in banking to settle in East Yorkshire? And what did she need to do to move her life forward? Let's find out. Hi, Krista. Hi, Ros. Let us know how you, how you doing and, and how you got here. Yes, I had a lovely drive up the coast to Scarborough this morning. It's actually a beautiful day compared to what we've had the last few days, so it's a joy to be out in the sunshine. Fantastic. Krista, so we're going to talk a bit about business this morning, but also a bit about your journey and your views generally on um, women in business, mm-hmm. if that's all right. Yeah. So you're in the, the Village Farm Marquis now. Whereabouts are you based, remind us? We're based in Skipsey um, as part of our farm at home. And then operationally, we're based in Beverly. Fantastic. So that's East Yorkshire. East Yorkshire, yeah. But you don't sound like a Yorkshire lad, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying. So what brings you to, what brings you to Yorkshire? We moved to Yorkshire um, oh, about eight and a half years ago now. So in 2010, we moved from London as a family. So my husband, Tony, and myself and my parents who moved with us. I worked in the city um, in banking for a number of years and before that in financial services. We had suffered um, some, well, three bereavements very close together in our family. So our move to Yorkshire was uh, driven through my need to escape the rat race and probably life in general, really, to have a, a quieter life in Yorkshire. I love that. So I had a similar experience. So I used to work in the city. I commuted from Cambridgeshire to London every day and I worked down at the at Canary Wharf when I worked for the FSA. But when we discovered Scarborough, my husband introduced me to Scarborough and we used to come up for Bolt Hole uh, weekend retreats. And then one day we suddenly decided to move here. Was that how it was for you? <laughs> Were you familiar with Yorkshire or did you just say, stick a pin in the map? Uh, my uncle married a girl from Yorkshire. So I spent a lot of time in Yorkshire as a kid and I did a lot of horse riding. So I spent holidays up here, but that was more North Yorkshire. But when, you know, I sort of made the decision that I wanted to leave London, we decided that Yorkshire was going to be the place and we found that we couldn't actually afford North Yorkshire. Um, so we looked at other places and East Yorkshire seemed to be somewhere that was quite affordable. We didn't know it. And then when we saw Village Farm for sale, my uncle said to me, or Village Farm's in a village called Skipsy. My uncle said to me, oh, you don't want to go there. It's full of caravans. And actually, when you look on Google Earth, that is all you can see is caravans. 
But hey, we came up Easter 2010. We looked at about eight properties and that was it. We fell in love with Village Farm and that was it. We just put in an offer, put all our property up for sale in London and moved. (laughs) And And that was it, you know. So there wasn't kind of this big sort of strategic approach to move in and, you know, thinking about what, our business was going to need kind of going forward and how we were going to do things. It was literally, that's it, we're going, and we up and left. Fantastic. <laughs> and how, so how, what was the time period between your decision and, and there you were? So Easter, um, we came up, viewed property, made an offer, and we moved on August the 5th, wow. the same year. <laughs> I love that. It took us four years to, <laughs> to actually do all of our planning to move. <laughs> so would you call yourself an impulsive kind of girl, Krista? I'm not normally. That's probably the most impulsive thing I've ever done. I'm normally quite risk averse. I like to think through kind of the scenarios of everything. What are I, we as a family have worked really hard to get where we have got. And but there must have been some real strong push that made you, if you're not normally an impulsive person, that was a hell of a thing to do. So mm. what was the, the drive to, that forced you to do that or made you do that, inspired you to do that? I think I want to, it could have just been a midlife crisis, you understand. Yes. But I think it was because there had been, you know, I worked in banking, there'd been a lot of turmoil in banking. It wasn't a great place to be. Um, I'd lost my maternal grandparents. I'd lost another um, grandparent. On my husband's side, my mother had been really, really ill. And this had all come in the space of like 18 months. And it was just too much for one person to deal with. So I think that the the move was really this need to escape and this kind of feeling. If I move, if I change my environment, everything would be better. I expected it to be like a magic wand. Um, It wasn't. But, you know, when you're faced with you know situations of adversity you can either go woe is me and you know look how bad everything is or you can kind of go right what do I need to do to kind of move this forward and you know for me it meant that um, initially I had to do some consultancy work back for the bank I then went and worked for Tata Steel for six months Um, and you know while we were kind of building the bed and breakfast business within Village Farm, but also um, my husband getting Village Farm marquees up and running. I'd moved to Yorkshire for a quiet life of running a little seaside B&B. Tony was adamant that he wanted to set up his own marquee business. He set out thinking he was going to really target the corporate market, but the market in East Yorkshire is very different. Um, So he ended up doing a lot of weddings which required a lot more input, perhaps, from a female, which sound, that sounds quite biased in an in a opposite way, really. But, you know, my input meant that he was able to manage bridal clients. You know, we were able to manage all the admin that goes along with the business. We could invoice, you know, we could get quite creative with people. So, did you? What did you know about your target market when you moved up to Yorkshire? Compared, so if you spent so long living in London, presumably it's a very different market. I'm guessing. Very different, very different. And if I'm totally honest, we really didn't do 
anything that kind of set out to look at what the market was like in advance. It was very much learning on the hoof. And I should probably add, you know, Tony, bless him, knows his craft when it comes to marquees, but he had never sent an email when we moved to Yorkshire. So his learning curve was just massive. And, you know, I'd come from a corporate environment where you have lots of people that do stuff for you. Yes, I want to run a marketing campaign. Okay, you're going to speak to the marketing department. Mm. You know, you want to set up some form of new software or technology. You go to the IT department. Uh Uh-uh, you don't have that when you're on your own. You have to become, you know, an expert in everything or at least tap into where there are experts locally that can support you or help you with various projects. Um, so would you say it's been everything you thought it would be when you first set out? No, it's not. I think the trajectory that sort of I've taken is totally different. And I have to say, I've kind of embraced it. Um, I didn't think this is what I would be doing. If I go back to eight years, this isn't where I thought I'd be. I love it. Absolutely love it. I feel you know, my experience in the corporate world has given me a great platform. That's interesting, actually, you should say that, uh, Krista, because I found in my experience as a business coach working with small businesses, where an individual has come from corporate to set up their own business, they often find that change too massive to cope with Mm. in terms of not just about having the the balance in their life, as in being able to go home at five o'clock because all the other departments are doing the work, but also in their own mindset about just being overwhelmed and uh, finding it so hard that actually they just get overwhelmed with limiting beliefs of what they're capable Mm. of doing. Is that something that's struck you or is it? Yeah, I think actually, yes, it is something. We um, actually engaged with um, a business consultant a little bit like yourself. It must have been in 2015, so kind of five years in. And we just had kind of one set of sessions with us. I think it was like three or four sessions. Whilst it was a big financial investment for us, it really helped us open our eyes Mm -hmm. and see something bigger because his views were bigger than ours, whereas we were kind of feeling quite insular and, and just seeing a small picture. He really kind of opened our eyes and that was really instrumental. And the following year, we saw a kind of 50% growth in wow. our business. Yeah. So, you know, and I actually wrote to him afterwards and said, you know, thank you, know, thank you for what you've helped. You've really opened our eyes. And that has kind of gone from strength to strength. And I think you can when you're running your own your own business you're a small business so you you're probably on your own and when you've been used to working in a big team or a bigger company where you have lots of expertise to draw on or just banter just people to kind of chew the cud with Mm -hmm. you know and then suddenly you're on your own you know you don't have anyone to kind of bounce ideas off so i think you know for small business owners or kind of you know individuals it is really important to find your network yeah. and tap into people. You know, there are people like yourself, Ros, that can provide people with support, you know, in seeing that bigger picture because you can get so involved in working in your yeah, business. Absolutely. You're not working on your yeah. business yeah. and thinking about driving it forward and yeah. where you're going. And is it that actually where you want to go? Yeah, precisely. Um, so it's really important. Yeah. What's your qualities, Krista, that have kept you going through the tougher times? I think I'm lucky that 
oh, my husband and I get on so well. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, there are things about us that are very similar, but there are other things where we're very different. Tony is the eternal optimist. Mm-hmm. I am the eternal pessimist. Right. So we're very good at kind of pulling one another up or back or, you know, sort of getting to where we need to be. Um, my family have been amazing. But again, I've also, you know, it comes back to this network. I've found a really strong network within the market we operate in. Um, so whether that be suppliers that we work with, some of our clients um, who we have very good relationships with, and also sort of some of our competitors we've built some really good relationships with. You know, so you can talk to them about what's going on. It's helped form some little alliances that have helped us when we're kind of bidding for work or, you know, thinking about things we want to do to promote our business. And obviously now we employ people, so we try and bring everybody together, um, you know, on a regular basis. Mm. So how many people in your team now, Krista? Um, So I have um, Sophie who works for me in the office on a part-time basis. Her focus is, she does a lot of general admin for me, but she is our social media guru um, and is brilliant. And when we want to do kind of marketing events and things like that, she sort of manages that side of things and works with the sort of PR and marketing support we bring in externally. And then we've got two guys that work for us full-time sort of on the operational side, i.e. putting marquees up and down, and really work with Tony. So um, there's five of us all together. Our team grows during the busy season, which is from about April through till the end of October. That's when we do the, you know, it's when we're really, really busy. So we bring people in on a kind of casual seasonal basis. And and what do you, because I find um, working with business owners, with teams, that there's a big problem these days with employee disengagement. Mm. It's like a global crisis. Mm. So what's your key to keeping your team highly engaged, i.e. not just showing up each day and then Mm. admiring the view, but going that extra mile for you? What's the key, would you say? I mean, one of the things that we do, which we found really useful, is really giving them visibility of the business. Mm -hmm. So we get together, we talk about what's gone well during the year, what's not gone quite so well, and also get their input for things that we um, want to do. And, I mean, when we're really busy, you know, it can, people are tired, tempers can get a little bit frayed or whatever. So it is really important to get some of those issues out on the table, address them. And I think Tony and I have been quite good at admitting when we've not got it right as business owners but then it allows you to kind of move on from it that's done dealt with you know you hopefully take the team with you I like to share a lot of financials as well so Mm -hmm. people can see where you know the money goes I think that employees don't always recognize the financial burden on employers Um, you know it's not just your salary being paid there's all the national insurance contributions, your pension contributions. There's a lot more to it. But, you know, that has been really helpful. And, you know, we've been able to um, sort of use ideas from our employees in driving the business forward. That's fabulous. One of the things that, that I um, 
that I've found in business is, and, and I require it from my clients actually, is a number one priority is open and honest communication. Mm. And that seems to be like a, like, like the magic bullet sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing that we, um, we do, which is probably a, more unusual for a, a smaller business like ours and, and probably, you know, just testament to my sort of HR background is that we make sure that our employees all have an appraisal mm-hmm. each year. So, they sit down with Tony and I, and again, we talk about them as an individual, what they want to achieve. I mean, I've got um, one um, particular guy who wants to be foreman, and, you know, we've put in place a plan of what he needs to do to achieve that additional recognition and achieve higher salary. And I think that's quite important is people seeing how they can move on within a, within yeah. a business. Yeah. And it's in our interest to help our employees achieve that. Um, we want them to stay with the business. Yeah, getting their commitment. Yeah. Absolutely. So it sounds like you work really, well, I know you work really, really hard, Kristen, and Tony does as well. How do you get balance in your life? <laughs> it is really hard. and But I think we are getting better and better working in downtime Mm -hmm. there was a group of us out on uh, Wednesday evening um, one of our competitors some of our people we work with within the events environment we were out for the social evening which was fantastic and I was joking that Tony and I do all our socialising in the five weeks leading up to Christmas because that tends to be a slightly quieter time although actually we're really busy at the moment but um you know, it does sometimes feel like that, but you get used to trying to um, recognise where you've got pockets of downtime and then really utilising that. Yeah. I think one thing that we have tried to be very good at is making sure we get at least a two-week holiday away from the business where we can switch off the phones, switch off the email. And really take a break. And I would say that is one of the most important things. You know, when you're running your own business, you feel that you have to be at the end of the phone, at the end of the email, 24-7. And and that's kind of the society we live in today. But that can be really detrimental to your health, not having that downtime. So, you know, that's our kind of thing. We try to have two weeks every year where we are kind of a little bit on radio silence. Yeah. Um, what about on a daily basis? Is there Are there any habits or rituals that you do on a daily basis that <laughs> keep you balanced? I mean, I work out. I mean, yeah. exercise is very important to me. Um, so I try and get three sessions a week in. Fantastic. Um, working out, which has really helped me, especially with my kind of mental well-being. The fact that I've lost two and a half stone as well wow. is great. But it's really good fun. And it just is something totally different where you can clear your mind and not be thinking about business. You think you're kind of, it's, you know, you're doing something else, but it releases such great endorphins that you feel great. You feel ready to take on the world again afterwards. Um, So, you know, that's really um, important. What's the number one thing that you would change in your business right now? Oh, my goodness me. It's probably about the amount of financial burden on small business that comes from central government and that's kind of a bit of a 
what's the word, a a sort of double-edged thing because it's not that I would want to harm my workers or not do the right thing by my workers, but I think the admin and financial burden on small businesses is just massive with kind of pensions and, you know, all the regulatory things that, you know, you have to comply with. And whilst they're necessary... You just think, can we not just make it a bit easier? Yeah, you'd think so. Considering I think it's 96% of the economy is made up of SMEs. Absolutely. And it just seems that they apply rules for big corporates to the whole SME market. Yeah, that's exactly it. Exactly. What about as a woman, um, Krista, in the business world and in Yorkshire? Is there anything that... um, that you feel has impacted you in particular being a woman in, in from London in Yorkshire and in business? In the business I'm in now, I would say no. I think actually um, Yorkshire folk take how they find. Mm-hmm. They like people that graft. Yeah. They really do. They want to know who you are, where you're from, who knows you, who you've worked for before. So, you know, you have to do a lot of networking and you can't expect to just achieve miraculous growth overnight. You're chipping away constantly. I mean, I have to um, applaud my husband in the way he has really got himself networked. You know, we can't go anywhere without seeing somebody he knows, which, you know, eight years in from London is pretty good going. I think I felt it more when I was working up here in the corporate environment yes I was working in the steel industry that was horrendous they didn't want some London woman telling them how they should be running their business Mm -hmm. so that was really challenging but in what we're doing now I think that they're you know Yorkshire people actually will you know embrace you it is a very different market to London London, you just have such a huge population of people. There's such a huge market and it's very financially driven and Yorkshire is very different to that. So it's just understanding the differences and tapping into it and understanding then how you're going to grow your business out, out of that. And I think that, you know, we've, you know, managed to do that quite well. You know, our business has been growing sort of 40 to 50 percent year on year over the last four years, which is spectacular. I'm delighted. So what do you think has been what gives you the edge? What's been the number one thing there, the quality in you or what's what? I think we've come at it as a as a as a team with we actually engaged with a PR marketing expert. We kind of took a bit of a critical view of our business top to bottom, invested in things that, well, actually, it was about getting the story straight. So we were very clear about our brand, what we were offering, and then getting that message out there in a clear way and and investing in the things that we were actually going to get a return on. I think as a small business owner, and I think we were a little bit victim of this when we first started out, you go to networking groups, Everyone tries to sell you, oh, you need to do this. Oh, you need to do that. And you kind of go, oh, yeah, oh, right. Oh, yeah, maybe we do. And you end up, if I'm honest, wasting a bit of time and money mm-hmm. on things you don't need to. Yeah. Um, and that's just naivety. But then, you know, you kind of learn as you go. And it is being able to just take that step back 
and actually you do have to be quite strategic about it and and think well you know what are the things that are going to get me a return Mm -hmm. which is quite a corporate way of looking at things but you absolutely have to do that as a small business because you know you're not going to get the same economies of scale that bigger businesses do so everything you do has to be earning you money yes um i love that so, Chrissy, just based on our conversation here, it sounds like the two key things that have come out from your journey in terms of the changes that you've made have been, if I may say it, having an external view of a business coach or consultant mm-hmm. to open your eyes and, and yeah. show you how things could be different, but also investing in yourself and your business by in, in the PR uh, firm that you took yeah. and um, really getting to grips with your why, your purpose, your story. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's been quite groundbreaking, really. And actually kind of embracing that has helped us achieve some of the financial goals that we set for ourselves um, and maintain that, um, which I'm delighted with. I mean, I thought this year was going to be a real struggle, um, but we've surpassed last year um, we've taken on a lot more corporate work we seem to you know have really made some headway there which is fantastic I couldn't be more delighted and I know Tony is as well you know but we've literally this week had to sit down with um, our PR and, and actually taken a step back looked at what's gone well where we want to develop that on what sort of marketing and PR and kind of our class within that business development. So yeah. what we're going to do to try and grow those markets and do some different things that we haven't done before. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of now got a strategy for, it's probably more a little bit short term. So we're probably looking sort of things we're doing over the next three to six months. Um, you know, we are bracing ourselves for a slight downturn in the market there is uncertainty at the moment. Mm-hmm. We know that some of our raw material costs are going to go through the roof. So we're expecting on kind of PVC, metal work, we're expecting about 20 to 30% uptick in prices. Things like carpet, which yeah. we get through quite a lot of, we've already seen a 10% rise in prices there. And you can't just suddenly put your prices up 30%. So... You know, yes, you have to absorb some of that, so you've got to save costs elsewhere. So we, over the last 12 months, we've been looking at where we can actually take cost out of our yeah. business mm-hmm. and how we can grow into different markets. Yeah. Fantastic. So it sounds to me like it's not just about having a... Because the, the tenacity and the I can attitude that you... Uh, it's clear that, you've, that you are a part of you, like a stick of rock, huh? <laughs> Um, but also that ability to ask for help, to get external expertise in. Yeah. Just And the combination, really, it sounds like you're making a fantastic business there. Seems to be going okay at the minute. Well done. <laughs> and just finally, Chris, is there one thing that you would say to somebody, maybe not necessarily from the south moving up to the north, but just a woman in business thinking about going out on her own or with her husband or with a, you know, with her family, what's the one piece of advice that you would give her? Believe in yourself. This is the second piece of advice. But if you've got a dream, go for it. Yeah. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. Thanks so much, Christo. It's been great having you here today. Thank, Thank you. you. And if you want to find out more about Krista Newman and Tony Newman's business, Village Farm Marquis, 
just go to yorkshiremarquees.com. And as we come to the last part of today's show, I just wanted to go back to Krista's experience of when she took that massive quick decision to buy the business and just get stuck in. Now, I have nothing against that approach, but sometimes maybe a bit more planning could go ahead into your business. So I'd just like to share with you a little questionnaire or a little bit of a survey that I'd like you to do for all those business owners out there. So it's my formula for success, really. And it's done by a little equation. And it goes like this. So first of all, score yourself out of 10 for the dreams for your business. Out of 10 for your dreams for your business. And write that down. And next, score yourself out of 10 for your goals. So yeah, what's the goals for your business? And then your learning. So score yourself out of 10, between 1 and 10 for learning, or 0 to 10 for learning. How much learning do you do in your business? And then how much planning do you do for your business? So between 0 and 10, score yourself out of 10 for planning in your business. And then finally, how much action do you take? Score yourself out of 10, how much action on a daily basis do you take in your business? And having got those scores, I want you just now to multiply them all together. So how did you score yourself out of 10 food dreams? Where 10 is, you've got them all written down, you've got pictures, you can smell what those dreams are like. Score yourself out of 10. And times that then by your score you gave you for your goals. So how well have you broken down your dreams into goals? And multiply those together. And then you're learning. So we do learning before planning because you've got to learn new things before you plan. Otherwise, you'll just find yourself planning the same things over and over again. So score yourself out of 10 for that and then multiply it together. So you've got your dreams times your goals times your learning. And now about your planning. So how good are you at planning? How good are you at planning? Score yourself out of 10. So multiply that as well. And then finally, multiply by the score you gave yourself for action. So it's dreams times Goals times learning times planning times action. So basically, you've got a possibility there of 100,000. So how well did you score? And then do exactly the same for your personal goals. So what are your dreams like for your, in your personal life? What are your goals? Have you divided those personal dreams into, into goals? What about your learning and your planning and your action? And again, multiply those together to give yourself a total score out of 100,000. So having scored yourself in both those areas, what have you found? Which is the biggest number? Is it for your business or is it for your personal life? Is it the tail wagging the dog? So I'm a big believer that your business is the vehicle for you to achieve what it is you want in your personal life. It's far too often we just get stuck in our business and forget completely about our personal goals. So there's a little exercise for you. I hope you enjoyed that and see if you can turn that around. Surely let's make our personal goals bigger than our business. That's me for this week. Thanks a lot. Ros Jones checking out now. Bye. This has been your Ros Jones Bold Business Bite Show. If you'd like any further information about anything we've discussed today, please just get in touch. Go to businesscoachingyorkshire.co.uk. Please join me again next week when I'll be speaking with another phenomenal female business boss with bold business bites. 
and remember to subscribe to my show. Thanks for listening. 